Hey guys, thanks for finding the Grainy Days podcast. My name is Dustin. This week, Edward joins me and we talk to a fantastic guest. Uh, it was a pleasure to speak with him and it was a big surprise that we were able to get him on and we really enjoyed the conversation. Our guest was Mr. Frank Thorpe V. He is a NBC producer and he works primarily on Capitol Hill with Congress and he's been taking a lot of photos of the impeachment trial and things going on. We talk a bit about that, a bit about some of his time in Haiti. So without spoiling anything, I will shut up and let you find out for yourself. So um, we're live, guys. Uh, this week we have a pretty awesome guest. I hope you guys are excited for this one. It's going to be a short episode, but I hope we can pack a ton of good content in. Uh, I do have Edward here with me. How are you doing, Ed? Hey, what's happening, man? I'm excited. Hey, man. So we also have Mr. Frank Thorpe, the fifth. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing fantastic, good, good. man. So Frank may not be oh. a name that you guys... Uh, are quite familiar with unless you're following a lot of the impeachment process going on. He is a photographer. Well, you're not a photographer even, are you? You're a um, producer for NBC News, right? That just happens to do photography along the yeah. way? Yeah. Yeah. So technically I'm a producer and a reporter for NBC. So photography isn't really even like my third job. It's It's actually... It's probably like my fourth. As a producer at NBC, I do and reporter at NBC, we do a lot like logistics and um, do a lot of reporting, making sure that we're covering what we need to cover in Congress. And also, um, I mean, I shoot a lot of video that you know goes that we use for our broadcasts and things like that. Um, and I've always taken pictures. I've always you know loved photography, but just recently, more recently, it's become um, more of a focus. Yeah, and. Man, the stuff that you're getting is really awesome. So I've never really paid a lot of attention to the stuff going on until, you know, the impeachment hearing started and everybody started freaking out over um, Dave Burnett shooting with his Graflex. And that just kind of sparked us all to start looking at all of these, you know, the people taking photos. And then obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, you had the Lomo article come up and we were like, oh, dude, like these pictures are so rad. We got to get him on. And we reached out and you actually said yes. And you don't understand how like stoked Ed and I were about this because we're super excited. Yeah, it was it was kind of surreal, to be honest, because we didn't think that, you know, a reporter from NBC was going to, you know, accept our invitation to our little podcast. But we're super, super stoked to talk to you tonight. So, yeah, thanks uh, for having me. I mean. It's been really cool. It was thanks for. I was excited to get the invite. That's awesome, awesome. to hear. Um, so I guess we'll just get this started with just a little intro into how you possibly you got into photography, just so we can kind of get a background and feel for how you got started. Yeah, I mean, so I, you know, I got into photography as a kid, and I'm sure a lot of you know, probably you guys did too. I'm shooting pictures, just um, messing around. I saved up my money to get one of those Sony Mavica. Um, digital cameras that took three and a half inch floppy disks and oh, you know yeah. Took, oh yeah i remember you know, digital um and i did that for a while um and i would shoot around just as kind of a hobby and i moved to haiti for um i was living in haiti for a year and a half and that was just just before the earthquake wow. and then and for about a year and a half afterwards 
And for most of our days, you know, I was I was doing I was working for NBC at the time, but not all the time. So I would do a lot of freelance work, and I, I would sit around and and hang out with a lot of the um, journalists. Most of those guys were photographers, and we just ride around on motorcycles and basically, you know, go to riots and go to camp encampments and things like that. And I mean, they were just so awesome. They would just teach me, you know, the basics of of like really good photojournalism and so that's where i kind of really got into the idea of covering news um by shooting pictures um but when i came back to the states it was i was still doing producing reporting because i mean that's the kind of stuff that i've been doing and you know i mean it i I love that job as well so but i mean ever since then i mean i just i've just been really passionate about taking pictures i've always taken pictures on the hill and and always kind of just I don't make it a priority, but I take when I have the opportunity to do it, um, I, I take the chance because you know Capitol Hill is I mean as you know somewhat boring as it can be for for some people. Um, it's particularly photogenic because people are so used to being having their picture taken there. Um, so I can shove a camera in front of somebody's face, you know, at any time, and they're used to that. Um, but I mean, just recently I started shooting films, so that I mean that that this has been a really cool new adventure that you know we've I, I've been doing for about a year and a half, maybe over maybe just over a year and a half. So yeah, it's it's been great. It's been a, it's been a really cool experiment. Oh, that's nice, awesome. Yeah, that was a question I had on my list of notes was like how you got so close to people without getting a hand in your face or whatever but that makes perfect sense that they're so used to having their photos taken it kind of mm-hmm. ma- it's, it's kind of like an easy cheat mode in a way right and so it's funny because you know when i mean when when everybody anybody's talking about you know kind of like street photography or anything like that is you kind of have to have a little bit of a brazen attitude just mm-hmm. the ability to to kind of like throw away your i mean it's kind of somewhat embarrassing to take a picture of somebody so close um to their face and things like that um but like I said, like on Capitol Hill, I mean, people are used to getting their pictures taken all the time. And so you can kind of do that and just kind of throw away that that general tendency to feel weird about taking somebody's picture. But I mean, also, you know, it's just, I mean, for me, I also have to just kind of, I mean, realize that there are going to be situations where, you know, if you're kneeling in front of Nancy Pelosi during a press conference, taking your picture, I mean, it's a weird situation to be in. But also, I mean... It, you know the stuff that you get out of that kind of stuff is is really is really rewarding. Do you notice that you're shooting on Capitol Hill? Does it bleed over to when you're like out in your regular daily life on your off days and stuff taking photos, or do you kind of shoot differently? Yeah, I mean a, a little bit. I mean, I definitely have you know a, a level of confidence in terms of. I mean, th- there's also just the the reality that as a as a journalist. You know the rules of taking pictures when you're when you're a journalist. Say when you're just on you know the street or something like that. Is that you know it's it's legal to take somebody's picture when they're in public, right? And mm-hmm. having that understanding, I think, kind of probably gives me a little bit of confidence as well. Um, I mean, with family, like you know, my family's now just become you know totally gotten used to the idea that I'm just going to be taking their pictures all the time. I mean, <laughs> I've been east. Yeah. I pretty much documented her first like two years of life, um, but I mean. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I probably get up in people's faces a little bit more on Capitol Hill than I do, you know, when I'm walking around the street. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. 
So what's the reaction to, because I know you shoot that uh, the 4x5, and sorry, I'm not sure which model it is that you're shooting, but so what's the reaction when you pop out that that size of a camera, you know, you know, to the, 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 the folks that you're photographing, the congressmen or women that you're photographing? I mean, do some of the, because some of those are old timers, so they, you know, they probably recognize uh, that, that style of camera. You know, yeah, what's kind of the reaction you get? It's been pretty overwhelmingly positive. I mean, in, in terms of just people getting a kick out of it, um, yeah. not only the journalists are not not only the um, photographers, but also even the lawmakers. It was funny. Um, I think yesterday I was sitting in the well during the impeachment hearing in the Judiciary Committee. And I peeked around the dais because there was, you know, some objection happening from a Republican member of Congress. Mm-hmm. And I had the, so it's a speed graphic. So um, it, so the story behind this camera, I actually just started shooting it during the impeachment hearings. Um, I, I, this is the second time I'd actually ever used it was during when the impeachment hearing started. And I just decided, I was like, you know what, what I've realized with this camera and 4x5 in particular is it just takes the courage to just take the camera out just to use it. I mean, it, it seems like so overwhelming, the idea of taking just, you know, two shots per holder. And I mean, there's so much pressure on one picture um, that you just kind of have to just decide, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I decided to do it. Um, the, the way that I got this camera actually is that I've been shooting film on the hill, as you guys saw with the like lamography thing. And um, I shoot with a Hasselblad that I borrowed from Pete Williams, actually, who's our justice correspondent, who um, he was like, you know, I told him I was thinking about getting into film. He's like, oh, my God, well, I have all these film cameras I don't use right now. If you want to come by and pop by and use one, you can. I've been using that for like a year and a half. And it's a great, amazing (laughs) camera. And it shoots just gangbusters pictures. That's my go-to as well. Yeah. so Dustin's a hassy guy. Yeah. I I mean, I love it. It's a So it's a 203 FE. So it has a meter included inside of it, which Mm -hmm. makes my job exponentially easier. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I've been shooting that 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 camera around the hill for about a year. And um, and one of the Getty photographers actually came by and was like, hey, I've seen you've been shooting film like I'm moving and, you know, I have all this four by five stuff. Would you be interested in <laughs> buying it from me? And I was like, well, sure. I mean, I, don't, I mean, it depends on how much it's going to be. And he sold me three 4x5 cameras for like this really great price. And like this four, all these cameras and then these um, film holders. And I mean, like all these tanks. And I mean, basically all the stuff that I would need to shoot with this camera. Wow. But, I mean, anyway, so to get back to your question, I mean, in reality, like honestly, people have been so awesomely positive about it. And I mean, so like some members of Congress have came up and be like, "Why do you shoot with that camera?" And I'm like, to be honest, because I love the look of it, and I, I love the way that, like the the stuff that it shoots. I mean, not the look of the camera; it's a beautiful camera, but like, right. um, the results. The results are just so awesome, and mm-hmm. and it's just so unique, and it it differentiates. I mean, you guys know it's like you know. I mean, there are probably fifty photojournalists in there who shoot with you know great amazing you know sony's and canons and nikon's and all you know fuji's and and i mean that digital look is so awesome but it also has a tendency to very like kind of bleed all together and look the same and this the film just gives it kind of just like historical soul that is just awesome and i've fallen in love with yeah and i imagine you probably get different looks in there getting too because they're seeing your 
giant camera and it's probably catching their eye and drawing their attention towards you and making giving you a little bit more focus as well yeah it's true and i mean the thing is though is that like i try not to draw too much attention you know like i don't want i don't want them mugging for the camera right i mean you know i like the idea of kind of documenting it um as kind of a fly on the wall as you know a photojournalist would and i think i, I mean I, part of it i mean for me part of it for me is just the realization that like this is how photojournalists used to do it i mean this right. is how like this is how it was done i mean so yeah. it, it the idea that i'm kind of just trying to recreate wh- what that was the i you know the idea that i mean there were people that this is hard. I mean, it's it's ten times harder than it needs to be to shoot pictures at in a, you know an impeachment hearing with like a mm-hmm. speed graphic. But I mean, if they used to be able to do it, then it's got to be able to be possible. Right. So I mean, it's it's been cool. It's been like I said, it's been a really really awesome experiment. So have you kind of settled on a film that you're shooting across the board, or do you just kind of like flavor of the week, or this film with this camera, this film with this camera? So it depends. Yeah. So, I mean, with the Hasselblad, I mean, so I did a little bit of that Lomography stuff and I've been messing around with color. Um, but most of the stuff that I shoot with the Hasselblad when it comes to medium format is T-Max 400. Um, and I just, I, I think I bought it. Um, it was like the first film that I got for that camera. And I just like the way that it looked. I mean, I like Tri-X and I, I mm-hmm. use Tri-X too. And mm-hmm. I have to push both of them when I'm shooting inside, which is, you know, what I'm shooting most of the time. So I'm pushing that to 1600. Um, but you know, I mean, I mix, I mix my stuff around. I mean, when it comes to medium format, it's when it's black and white, it's, it's almost always T max and then some tracks when it's the large format stuff, I've been trying to figure out what the best, you know, film stock is. I've been shooting a lot of HP five Ilford, 400 and put because i can push that too and it's and um and it still works well and then i've been doing triax 320 which also pushes well and i just started doing some portra 400 which also pushes and i it's just like it's all kind i mean there's there's not that many options but like you know those three in particular have worked particularly well when it comes to shooting indoors and in relatively low light because i can pull off you know pushing to like 1600 or to 1250 and still i mean it's the the shutter speed still pretty slow it's like a 50th of a second but i mean still it's um fast enough to like handhold it yeah yeah that's that's cool and you're so i'm sitting here looking you're shooting with an optical viewfinder which seems like that's got to be the only way to go doing that sort of work yeah i mean because so so in those hearing rooms we're not allowed to use tripods and so um if i'm going to do it handheld i mean the only yeah yeah the only way i would be able to focus and i gotta say i mean so i so i got this speed graphic like i said this um sketty photographer mark wilson who's a great guy. He's been so awesome and like trying to help me, you know, like like figuring out how to work it and everything like that. But he sent this speed graphic out and um, got this, you know, 1920s lens. It's like super fast, super fast for a uh, large format lens. It's like a two seven. And, um, and it's coupled like perfectly with the optical viewfinder. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I'd use that for focus and it, 
is pretty spot on almost every time, which is really awesome. Um, but I, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, framing it up, like I, I had some, you know, issues with the parallax, um, when I was first learning how to shoot it because I, you know, I didn't realize how far off the lens is from the actual viewfinder because yeah. it's such a big camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got used to that, it, it, I mean, it, it takes some pretty awesome pictures. Yeah, that's, um, wow. I, I have a crown graphic, so, uh, it's a little, but I can't ha- use like the super fast lenses on it cause I don't have the rolling shutter on the back, but my, um, my little rangefinder on mine surprises me too. I try to use it. And um, sometimes I'm good with it and sometimes I'm not. But I couldn't imagine trying to focus with such a small depth of field. Like that rangefinder has to be dead on on the speed graphic. Totally. And it's, I mean, the thing is, and I mentioned how like it's 10 times harder with this camera. You know, I mean, the thing, I always try to kind of like do a backup. Like I can nail shots with the Hasselblad pretty easily. Um, But when it comes to the speed graphic, I feel like every time I do it, it's just kind of like a, I mean, like I'm rolling the dice and I don't even, you know, there's just so many things that could go wrong and it is 10 times harder, but then it's 10 times more rewarding when I develop the stuff and it comes out and it's just like such an amazing feeling to pull that stuff out of the tank and be like, Oh my God, like this actually worked. Like it just seems mind boggling that this whole process works. So, um, so yeah, I mean it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. So I well, definitely enjoyed your photos, man. I mean it's um, just the stuff you're getting, and then I mean just the whole situation of the yeah. the whole impeachment. You know, it, it it's just great to see you guys capturing that on film, and you know, you know the, this this time in our in our history and stuff. So yeah, it's funny. Awesome. It's funny, you know, you guys mentioned David Burnett and who is like the nicest guy I felt like I got to meet him at I think it was either the first hearing that he was at or maybe one of the later ones and you know I was like nervous to go up and talk to him because you know I mean he's like kind of like a photo legend I mean I don't know if you guys have looked at his previous stuff but he was like the guy who you know when Mary Decker um the Olympic um Olympic uh runner in 1984 like she, she was supposed to win the gold medal and she like fell and like, he like captured this like iconic picture of her, you know I mean? It's like totally worth looking up. Um, but I mean like he's been around forever and he was, so it's just like, it was just totally coincidental that he was actually shooting his, um, Graflex super D, um, the same day. And he was just like, he was like giving me, you know, pointers. He was like, did you, did you, uh, put your, uh, you know, your, um, your uh, film holder back the right way and i was like yeah yeah i got it i got it he's like all right good boy good boy it's like, it's like <laughs> it, it was cool i mean like the thing is, is that it, you know there's so the, and there's not that many people that are shooting film and i think that i mean right. his camera and i think i heard you guys discussing this on one of your your episodes like it's such an awesome beautiful camera i mean like he has that yeah. you know kodak aero ektar lens on there that's just freaking amazingly beautiful i mean that camera is so expensive and I, mean, I actually reached out to the guy who um who made it you know after i think after i i met david burnett and like and i mean he just he was it's like thousands and thousands of dollars to yeah. get one of those made. you uh, basically got gas after you saw david's uh, camera yeah for sure <laughs> yeah i mean like i think like i thought my camera was cool and then i saw him and i was like man this sucks uh, i mean to be fair it is cool though i mean the, the mm-hmm. speed graphics are rad 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and I mean the thing is, is what's cool about it, I mean, like like I said, so that Mark Wilson, the guy who sold me the camera, actually sent it off and and had this other lens put on this super fast lens put on it and coupled it with the optical viewfinder, and then also they took off the leatherette so, and and um and uh, stained it, so it still has like that look that oh, um cool. that David Burnett's camera has. I mean, his is like stained like a like a dark wood color. It's it's just gorgeous. Um, but this one does too. The one that I shoot with does too. It's it's very very cool. It's I mean honestly, it's like a beautiful beautiful camera. Like if I wasn't shooting it, I would probably put it up like on a wall or something. It's just so gorgeous. Um, but um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean like David Burnett shooting in film. So he, but he's been kind of like dipping in and out of the hearings. He he was there for like kind of the the couple of the first ones. I haven't seen any of his shots yet um, from the hearings. But and then there's another photographer, Louis Palou. Um, who has been shooting? Um, he shoots with a Mamiya, and he shoots like square, black and white, medium format, and that's like just like his look is square, medium format, <clears throat> black and white. So, and that stuff he's working on like a longer term project too. He's been like there the entire time, but we're basically the only three that have been shooting film regularly, and I, I don't really think I've seen anybody else shoot film. But I do think that it does feel like, you know, I mean it's it's like a total cliche to talk about the idea that like digital photography like everybody just you know takes a thousand pictures and they're just like ones and zeros and all that kind of stuff but like yeah. having that like kind of archival film like tangible touchable you know memory of these things feels it makes it just feel more significant and historic so it's been a lot of fun so have you had any photos that you've gotten and you you see them and you're like oh man that's the one right there that there's something to that one yeah i mean so uh, that's a good question i mean so there was that there was one i took and i posted on instagram um the one of maria Ivanovich, that where she was like getting ready to sit down um at the hearing and oh yeah it was just like up close mm -hmm. I, it was just like a i, I mean in like if I would have missed the focus, it would have just totally ruined the picture. And it like I nailed the focus on that, and it was it just was like a really cool feeling to like see it and and um, see that it turned out. That one I feel like if I if we're talking about this like impeachment stuff, that was a good example of that. Like there was one of Fiona Hill later on where she was about to get up from the hearing, and like I just happened to be in the right place, and she like kind of like looked in my direction, and she was kind of surrounded by all of her aides and everything like that, and it just felt dramatic and like it's like these these shots where you know you you know i pull the the shutter and kind of like just hope and pray and then whenever i develop it later like figure out whether or not it turned out or not um but i mean i think those are really the i think the two i mean there was also the one and i just posted this one recently like where um was it i think it's david holmes um, was like you know mimicking um, how um, one of the witnesses Sondland had had a phone call with President Trump, and he had, like pretended like he had a phone like away from his ear, and like I got that and then did a double exposure on it, and it was like a significant moment in the hearing, um, and I didn't even realize how significant it was until I actually developed the picture, and like I don't know, it's it's all of it. I'm telling you, like you know when you shoot like ten shots per day i yeah. mean they all seem pretty significant and and exciting you know yeah do you so you were saying you you have a um 
What, do you shoot with your large format? I, yeah, I've just started getting into it more. Um, probably in the last like three to four months. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I had a bad, I had a bad shutter on mine, and I just recently uh, upgraded my like lens shutter combination on it to something a little bit more modern that I could shoot strobes with. Uh, but it's something that I'm learning still similar, I guess, to you, just in a lot less pressured environment. Uh, so it, it is a lot of fun, though. And I guess you're lucky. Yours came from, like, a photographer that you knew. So you knew that your equipment was, like, solid. But I've, I've bought a bunch of, like, film holders and stuff used. So my journey lately has just been, like, testing out all of these film holders and making sure they were all light tight and not all of them have been and learning my equipment more so than actually getting out and using it yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because it's the, the best part about my speed graphic is that when he had it redone, um, they put a, a note on the back of it that, you know, there's like, you know, six or seven different shutter speeds, but they're all wrong. Like, I mean, they're right. all not correct. And they're, I mean, the, the faster shutter speeds are a little slower than they really are. And the, the slower shutter speeds are actually like a smidge faster. Um, mm -hmm. but it actually has like written on the back of it that whoever had, you know, revamped the, the camera actually like calibrated it and did the math. And so I'm actually able to kind of like fudge the numbers a little bit so that I can kind of overcompensate, <clears throat> yeah. um, with that stuff, which is super nice. But and, you know, it's funny, like with the whole, you know, light leaks and things like that, that there's this other, I, I the, one of the other four by five cameras I got from this Getty photographer, um, is this, you know, old Polaroid land camera that's been retrofitted for four by five film and it has light leaks. It has like, I don't, I don't know where they're coming from. And, but I, I also like kind of love it. Like, I mean, I don't, I haven't been shooting that with the impeachment hearing and, and I guess I could, but, um, I, I kind of like it. It's weird because I kind of actually love the light leak. I mean, it almost gives it a little bit even more of a quality. Like it's like, it's it gives it i mean all these cameras and shooting by four by five has given these pictures like like i said like this kind of like historic soul but then also like with the light leak it's like it's also like even more it feels like an even toss older quality you know yeah toss a little art artsy mm -hmm. in, into it right yeah totally yeah. Well, Papa, yeah. if they made the lomo and four by five that would be so rad to see those light I, leaks in the with I, all the color i already shifts. asked I already asked if they were coming out with a four by five of any kind. Then. Did yeah, they say nothing? Nothing in the works. No. Oh man, no. that would be so awesome. Yeah, it would be so great. That was when I was asking about my pinhole. Uh, I'm looking to get him to into pinhole. So Dustin's trying to com uh, convince me to do four <laughs> by five pinhole. How do I mean? Like that's. I'm telling you, the thing is, is that you know, I mean, like like I said, I just started shooting film like a year and a half or two years ago. It's opened up this entirely new like creative universe and yeah. like pinhole is totally one of those things that, that sounds like super interesting yeah. to try. Although I, I think that that is probably completely impractical for something where people are moving. Isn't yeah. it? I mean, like, well, yeah, it looks cool when people are moving through the frame, but you, you kind of have to have a tripod, but especially indoors where you're shooting. Um, I've got exposures that I've made with mine shooting with, uh, Acros, which has like a zero reciprocity failure rate up to like two two minutes, two and a half minutes. So you don't have to compensate for it up to that time. And I'll still get like 
13, 14 minute exposures up to like one I had was like 25 hours and it was in a decently lit room. So it might not be practical for what you're doing. But if you're like just hanging out around the house, like mundane things look really cool on pinhole. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, and I, like I said, I, well, I mean, this impeachment stuff is kind of moving probably too fast for me to try it, but it would almost be kind of cool to do that in a hearing room and just set it up. If I could just set it up in a one location and keep it going. I mean, how long would you need it to even keep it going? I, I, like I said, I like have zero knowledge it, of this. It depends on the the pinhole that you're using because they've got apertures of like F127 and up. Uh, I think oh. the one that I use the most is like a F255. So it really <laughs> just depends on the film that you're using. That's uh, gonna be dependent on that. So like if you use something like Tri-X or HP5, you might get away with something that's like 30 seconds, something like that, 10, 15 oh. seconds uh, if you push it. Like you can, you, you know, I don't know if you do stand developing at home. Like what do you use to develop your film with? Yeah. So I, I have like a, a, you know, a daylight tank, like a Yankee four by five. It takes like six or no, 12 sheets. Um, okay. So you got a dip and dunk tank. A what? The dip and dunk tank. Well, so it, I mean, I mean, I, I load it and then I fill it. I mean, it's just like yeah. a regular tank. Yeah. I mean, but I don't, is that what, is that, here's well, the thing. I just meant like chemical, what chemical do you use? Xtol. Xtol. Okay. So I don't okay. know about, I don't use Xtol, so I don't know about the, if you can stand develop with it, but something like Rodinol and HC 110, you can, um, you could do a, a very small dilution, like a one to 100, and then you can shoot film at any speed. And even if you're on the same roll, you can like push one shot, mm-hmm. pull one shot, do whatever. And then you, yep. if you, when you do it in the stand development, it will, uh, expose the highlights and then the developer kind of like burns out. It, it exposes the highlights first and then slowly develops your shadows. So it, it has a very distinct look like the, highlights almost like there's almost like a separation between your shadows and your highlights in a way um cool but it's a really cool way to do like i pretty much exclusively use my pinhole um developing in stand developing just because of that so if i do fudge up an exposure like it compensates in a way interesting yeah -hmm. Yeah, anything anything i shoot with my holga or my diana which those it you know, I never know what I'm really exposing it at. Rodinol. So I just toss it in there, and most of the time it comes out pretty good. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, so I'm still messing. So when I started shooting film, I, I started working out of a dark room in um, Alexandria, and that's like where I first learned. I had never done dark room even in high school or anything like that. And so I like did like a basic class, and um, we used to use D76, and so I've used D76 most of the time. I use a darkroom now at the Smithsonian. Um, oh, that's cool. That's yeah, sweet. It's cool. It's it's really cool. They have so I mean the Smithsonian. They have class. They do they do lectures and classes there. And I moved. <clears throat> I was living in Virginia, and I moved back into the, into DC, and was looking for a darkroom that was not that would not require me to go back into Virginia. And and there's one at the Smithsonian. They actually have like this whole. You know, I mean, there's like a, you know, their headquarters is like this big um, castle-like building, and and underneath it is basically all these areas where they do lectures and things like that, and also that includes this like really really nice dark room, and I mean you have to pay for it, and 
you know, it pay, you know, per like season basically. And it go, I go every Thursday for three hours, but they, they have like a really great dark room. Um, they figure out all the chemicals for you. Um, and then there's a guy there that kind of like walks you through the process. So I do a lot, I mean, I do my printing there. I did, I started developing a home, but I would do all my printing there and he, you know, kind of like, he's like, okay, you know, you can increase the contrast here, you know, you should burn or dodge this. And, um, which is great because I mean, like it just is, is like a total, I mean, he just makes the pictures better, yeah. um, which is, is really great. So, but I mean, but in terms of like chemicals and stuff, like I, so I, I use D76, I've used T-Max for my T-Max film because T-Max comes in, in a liquid form. So I don't have to mix the, um, yep. the powder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can be a pain, um, mm-hmm. and then Extol because for some of the four by five films, they actually don't recommend using D seventy six or T Max. They they recommend using Extol for whatever reason. So I've been using that. That's cool. I I've never messed with it, but I I do really enjoy a lot of the looks I've seen, especially yours. The the black and white stuff that you shoot is very similar to like the style that I try to cultivate. So it's like kind of moody and dark. Um, where your blacks are very black, but you still have a solid tonal range through your grays and your highlights kind of pop. Um, it's almost Thanks, like man. cinematic in a way. And I, yeah. I, I think a lot of that is due to the, you pushing your film. Um, but I like the way yeah. that it looks with the, the X-Tall. That's something that I might have to take a look at. Because I've always used the Rodnall, which is um, a lot... Gr- it, it brings out the grain more because it is one of like the early developers for... Um, film photography. It's been around since I think the nineteen hundred, the like literal nineteen oh whatevers. Um, That's interesting. So it's a very old developer, but it also none of my photos are as clean as yours are, simply because like I use stuff that enhances the grain and makes it kind of look gritty and and yeah. stuff along with it. But um, yeah, I could see. I mean, trying to mess with that kind of stuff. I, it, maybe on another. I mean, this project specifically with the impeachment hearings and stuff like that like it you know other than like the the artistic angle of the idea of shooting it in in film and particularly large format like there's also it seems to like i said like a historic slash archival angle to it and like i want to i mean actually it's funny i just i just got off ebay like some expired um (laughs) portra 100 tungsten which you can't buy anymore um and, but I mean, because a lot of these rooms are, you know, tungsten lighting, I'm actually like super stoked to see how it looks because a lot of the, st- a lot of the time when I shoot color and because everything is, is white balanced for daylight, everything comes out really yellow. Yeah. And so, um, so like, that's like kind of going to be my experiment on, on this. But like, I also like, it's funny, like there, there's like no pressure on this, but I put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that like the stuff looks good you know and yeah um and so so yeah i mean i i could totally see like like trying to that that develop what's it called again uh there's uh rodnall uh it's a lot of places it, it goes by um ro9 but you can just type in rodnall or, or any like thing similar to that uh one of them was like adenol uh, it's all the same stuff it's just one person has kind of like um copyrighted the name rodnall but there are a lot of places oh, okay. that you can get it. Um, I think B&H carries it. So um, that's one place you can check it out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so so you're, 
so are you planning to do anything with these images after your you know after this impeachment thing finishes or however long it goes but is there like an end goal or i mean because you're not shooting these for for nbc right these are these are your images that you're that you're i mean or or are you shooting this for nbc and then there's a project with that going on uh, I think with like what the end project is is probably TBD. You know, I mean, like yeah, I shoot. I mean, when it comes to like you know, I shoot a lot of you're so digital, and I think that you had yeah. said that you're a Fuji guy. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <We've> so, <both laughs> oh man, I I love so I shoot with a one hundred X one hundred F, and mm-hmm. I freaking love that camera so much. I've had like basically every iteration of that camera, like ever since the X one hundred, like the original X one hundred, and like. Mm-hmm. I just love it so much and it takes such amazing pictures and like for NBC purposes, you know, they'll use those pictures because obviously like that stuff turns, I can turn that stuff around basically immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also, I mean, you know, NBC and our coverage and MSNBC, you know, we, we um, subscribe to all the agencies. So in terms of like just general coverage for general coverage purposes, you know, we use those images for all of our coverage so I, I'm not really like as I said like at the very beginning of this like my job is not to be a photojournalist like this right. is kind of all and, and also I mean and and you know just in you know in case my bosses are listening to this like you know I also don't do this unless I'm you know you know unless I'm not like if I'm supposed to be doing something else like my you right. know other stuff like I'm not shooting pictures like there are a lot of times when I walk around the Capitol without a camera um okay. But um, I'm lucky because I, I actually focus particularly on the Senate, and um, and all this stuff has been happening on the House side. So I'm able to kind of drift over there and help out where needed, and then kind of like use this extra time, like these extra moments to kind of take these pictures. Right. Um, once it comes over to the Senate side, it'll be a different story, you know. Once there's a Senate trial, blah blah yeah. blah. But yeah. um, but um, in terms of like the end product, that's a good question. I actually kind of want to see what I have. Um, afterwards and kind of decide what I want to do with it. Um, it's becoming like a body of work and, right. um, I've been shooting, you know, like with a lot of different formats, like I've been also shoot 35, um, uh, you know, at least a little bit more recently I had, I have a, an M six and it was in the shop and it, it was gone. I didn't have it for like the first four hearings. So I was super bummed about that. But, um, but I was, I mean, as I've been shooting with the Hasselblad for most of the time anyway. So I have, I have a lot of four by five stuff and I have a lot of medium format stuff. And I kind of want to just kind of like see how it all is. Like, I want to see what this body of work looks like and then see yeah. what it could possibly be, whether or not that's, you know, trying to show it somewhere or put it together in like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess there, I could put it in a zine or a book or something like, I don't know. This is all like relatively new in terms of you know right. where this kind of stuff goes also it just it i mean i'm so used to just throwing stuff on instagram like mm-hmm. like thinking past that is something that i haven't ever really done before so yeah uh, yeah well if you need any tips edward is a zine machine he cranks them out pretty <laughs> regularly where do you do them through what do you do them through well i use a, a service called mag cloud which is just a uh I think Blurbo's owns them. Okay, um, I love. Blurbo. But I, I go through the easy peasy, man, and you know it's. Uh, it, I just use a template uh, through Aperture on Mac, and and I know kind of 
the design that I use, um, you know, and how I want the book layout, and then I just start tossing tossing images on there, and then you know, moving things around and that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, the thing that I worry about with with like that kind of stuff is the whole like easy peasy aspect of it. I always, you know, whenever we go on like family vacations or something like that, I'll be, you know, I'll take a million pictures and then put together a book for my family, you know, for Christmas or whatever. And I always put so much pressure on myself to make sure that that's perfect yeah. to the point where like, it's almost like crippling. So, I mean, even, even that kind of, you know, prospect of like putting these pictures together into something like even just you know, editing myself and picking the pictures and, you know, not picking pictures and leaving some out and like that. It's, it, it's feels so overwhelming. Yeah, I get that. That's kind of why I haven't done anything like that. I, I, I'm not much of a perfectionist, but I just, I don't feel confident in the work that I do that it's worth sharing to a point. Um, so, so I, I, in a way, I guess I, I can understand that, uh, from your point of view. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's fine. I mean, the thing is, is like the whole like putting it in a book or like even printing it out. I mean, that this this was something that you know being in the dark room has kind of taught me is that like, you know, there's this really great feeling with like printing out a good picture and like putting your work into it and like having it come out the way that you want it to come out and. But I mean, you know, put, putting together a book or, you know, making a big print or something like that seems so much more significant. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. throwing stuff on Instagram, you know, it, it's just like this. I mean, if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, like, I like it. Like, so I'm throwing right. it out there, you know? And I mean, exactly. there's no, I, I mean, there's, there's zero pressure. And, and so, I mean, it, the idea of doing something more significant is totally something that I'm interested in doing, but also it just feels big it like it feels like you know a, a bigger thing to do but i mean also like i'm shooting really big negatives so like maybe it's time to do something bigger i don't know so we'll see yeah well, when, four by five you'll know when big. you're ready yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i mean i joke i mean i joke around i mean i would never the thing is is that like i'm, I'm shooting all these pictures and like but i mean i don't think i would ever blow up any of this stuff i, I don't even know where that would go you know what i mean like right. like the, the the resolution that i could get out of one of these four by fives like what am i going to do with a humongous picture of you know ambassador marie ivanovich like i, don't, I wouldn't put that in my house like i don't think anybody cover would, be honest. cover a hole on the wall <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> facing it the other direction i, don't, I mean i don't want to like, look at that every yeah. day but what do they yeah. say it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it oh yeah totally so, and i mean yeah. right. Yeah, 100%. But that's the thing is that, you know, I mean, when it comes to, like, you know, photojournalism and stuff like that, you know, people are taking a thousand shots because they're like, okay, well, I can just go back and, like, edit through this. And, like, if I have it, then I'm good. Like, I, I don't want to, like, not take a picture and then regret, you know, not taking it. Yeah. I mean, that's actually one of the things that film photography has totally taught me is, like, the idea of being way more selective with my shots and, like, the idea that, you know, you're not going to get every, like, maybe funny or, like, crazy moment but at the same time like you're going to be it's it's taught me to be a way more deliberative photographer than i than i was before and even it's funny like even when i just like use my fuji or my iphone like i mean like it's funny how i can switch back to that mode of taking 30 pictures and picking one and then when i you know shoot with the four by five like i take 
one, maybe two of a scene, and I just have to accept it, and that's how it's going to be. Yeah. 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 Have you found you you shoot well? You know, because we go back and forth. Uh, Dustin and I both, you know, obviously we shoot Fuji and stuff. But I find myself when I'm now that I've been shooting film for so long, even now shooting my digitals, I don't shoot as much anymore as I used to. Like the whole spray and pray. I I now, like you were just saying, is I go and just shoot maybe four or five frames of the scene and then pick. Right. So yeah. Do you, so obviously, so it sounds like that. That's what you kind of do a little bit with your Fuji as well, or when you're shooting a different medium, aside from the large format or whatever. Totally, and I think I mean it, it just makes me understand what I. It, it just it just changes your mindset, right? Like you know, when before I would be like, okay, well, like maybe this angle would work, or like, you know, I'll just like, well, I don't know, I'll just you know shoot it and see if it worked, and and I mean, which is cool, like you know, to kind of learn how to you know like get your eye and and you know see what angles look like but yep. you know shooting film has totally made me realize that you know like I can visualize what a picture what picture I want before I take it and and kind of be a little little bit more thoughtful in that whole process even when you're on the fly like you're just like okay well I mean you might not be able to just like throw your camera up and and like fire away on you know aperture mode or something like that but um you know, so you might miss shots. Like there are some moments where you miss, and you're like, "Oh, bummer!" Like that would have been a cool shot, but I couldn't do it because I needed to, you know, focus and pull out the dark slide. But like, mm-hmm. it also makes you realize, like, okay, like I, I know exactly what I want, and I'm, and it makes me think ahead of time way more. Like the, it's funny, you know, the, when I do these for you know, I take the speed graphic to the hearings. Like I find myself thinking way more, even the day before, about like what I want instead of. Um, I mean, there's always pictures that you end up taking on the fly, but like, you know, scenarios and, and thinking ahead, um, like even the day before, just to be like, okay, well, this is where I want to be when this break, you know, happens so that I can get a shot of the witness at this, at this position. Like, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Like sometimes you put the dark side back in, but like, it, it's been, it's been super informative in, in that way. Mm. Nice. That's really cool. That's really cool. So I think we would be a little bit remiss if we didn't mention, um, I know you've talked about living in Haiti, but um, I have to admit of doing a little research before this on your, trying to find as much about you as I could, but there's not a whole lot on you specifically other than, you know, being an NBC correspondent and whatnot. Um, But your Flickr has some amazing shots uh, of your time in Haiti. And I feel like... uh, kind of move a little bit off of the Capitol Hill stuff since we don't have a ton of time left and talk a little bit about that because that had to be a completely different experience shooting down there versus shooting in Washington. Yeah, it really was. And I think, I mean, talk about, yeah, it's a totally different vibe. It's funny because when I lived down there, I remember like coming back to the United States and I was, you know, like in a connection flight through Miami and there was some like report about how the government they were thinking the government was going to shut down and i was like there's no way i'm going to cover congress these jerks they can't get their shit together. <laughs> I'm sorry, i don't know if i'm not just be cussing on this no, you're like, fine. yeah you're you fine. can um, don't worry i was like i can't believe they can't get their stuff together like i'm never going to cover that there were people dying on the streets of haiti like they don't understand what it's like and then you know i come back to the united states and start covering congress but um the stuff and i mean I, I, like i said you know before i i mean there are some the people that 
the photojournalists in particular, but the journalists in general that live in places like Haiti are some really badass people. And they're just really passionate. I mean, they don't get paid a ton of money. They get paid enough money to basically live where they are. And they just love their craft. And like, and, and I mean, so the stuff that we would do in Haiti, I mean, seriously, I mean, like we would, I, I would jump on the back of a motorcycle, you know, with my buddy Ben Depp, who actually is, is, you know, I mean, somebody was totally worth, he's doing some crazy stuff. I think he's in New Orleans, like flying on this, um, on like this little like monocopter thing that has a, I mean, like a parachute and he like takes these aerial shots now. Anyway, good stuff. But like, I mean, we used to drive around on a motorcycle and I mean, I mean, there would be riots happening when cholera came to Haiti, which was just totally devastating. Um, I mean, we would drive around the streets and I mean, not to get like too dark here, but like there would literally be bodies on the side of the road. And like, it was just really intense stuff. I mean, and not to mention that Haiti was just kind of, you know, totally trying to recover from this awful earthquake that they had experienced that had basically destroyed the, the capital. So, I mean, in, in terms of, I mean, visually though, you know, it, it definitely was like a amazing place to take pictures. I mean, and also because I think that I was with these other photojournalists and these guys that were kind of like had this basically like no fear mentality, you know, I kind of learned from them the ability to kind of just like get up in the action and, and realize that like, you're usually pretty safe. I mean, actually, it's funny, not funny at all, actually, but like one of the photojournalists, one of the local Haitian guys, this guy, Sherry, um, just got shot at a protest like a couple weeks ago. Um, but aside from that, like it's, you know, Haiti gets a bad rap for being a dangerous place to be, but like all in all, you know, they're pretty respectful of not only journalists, but, you know, foreigners in general. So anyway, I mean, it's it was just an amazingly... It, it was just an amazingly interesting and visual place to cover and just to be in general. I mean, it's a beautiful country, but also it was going through such hard times that everywhere you turned, there was something worth taking a picture of. Yeah. It's, it's like going back through and looking through some of the photos It is so heavy. Like that's just the word that I just keep gravitating towards. It's like, it's just so heavy. Like you have this photo of like this little girl that just got, tear gassed and there's so much emotion in it and yeah. then you have another photo of this person walking through this smoke and it's gorgeous but it's also so sad and then I mean you, like you said bodies on the side of the road like you have photos of people on stretchers and bodies and people crying and graves and you know it it, it kind of reminds me of like the stuff from the Bang Bang Club in a way uh, granted there's a lot less like shooting and stuff people on fire and stuff but uh, it kind of has those sorts of vibes like how do you how do you go home at the end of the day and just kind of like shake that off after seeing that so that's a good question and i don't really have a good answer for it to be honest i mean it's it that picture that you mentioned of the girl crying after being tear gas is something that stuck with me for ever since it happened i mean i took that picture and i mean i think about it all the time like i think about those moments all the time i mean I think about a lot of the stuff that I saw in Haiti all the time, and it's just stuff that kind of just sticks with you forever. I mean, I, I you, I mean, it was hard to compartmentalize, and I think that that was probably one of the reasons why we ended up leaving Haiti because I think we needed to kind of reset. Um, 
at least I know personally I did. I mean, having done all that stuff, you know, you're talking about like the, um, the bodies on the side of the road, like the, the victims of cholera. And it was just like, that was a situation where we just stumbled upon, or one of the situations or one of the days we had just stumbled upon a van that was just going around and collecting these bodies. Cause the thing is that because everybody was so poor in, in, in Haiti, when people would die of cholera, they would be scared to touch their loved ones and they didn't want to bury them because they were worried they were going to get sick. And, and so they would just leave them on the side of the road. And so these government, I mean, basically just like taxi cab pickup trucks would go around and pick them up and throw them in mass graves. And it just was like this awful, awful, awful situation. But like nobody knew about it at the time. It was just, it was relatively new. And that was actually one of those things that those pictures did get published by NBC um, when I was there. And just because it was just like the first that we were seeing this because they had used mass graves in Haiti after the earthquake because they just didn't have the space to bury all the the dead from the victims of the earthquake and it was just i mean they were they ended up whatever i mean we're getting into some like heavy gross shit here i mean like it was just it was hard i mean and so compartmentalizing that is hard to do i mean like i said i i will always have those memories and i think about like i said i actually do genuinely think about that kind of stuff all the time i think about the earthquake all the time it was a really crazy situation but i think that um I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I'm glad that I, I, I did that. I'm glad that I covered that stuff. It gives me, a, I think, a level of context. I mean, not in my ability to, you know, condemn Congress for not being able to get their stuff together. But like, I think that it, just more in the in the way that, you know, there are really there are real suffering people out there and and being able to have, you know, covered not only, you know, the stuffiness of a congressional hallway and while you're wearing a suit and tie, but also, you know, like a you know, a victim of cholera, um, I think it's given me like a, a pretty good head on my shoulders for being able to cover just news in general. Yeah. So it's, uh, I guess one last question from me. Um, if you had the chance to go somewhere like Hong Kong and photograph what's going on there, do you think you would jump at that opportunity? I know you probably don't have a choice for like that. Like, Hey, I want to go do this, since you already have like a job or whatever, but um, if you had the opportunity, would that be something you would be like, yeah, I think I could, I'd be into that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, the thing is, is that I, I and I don't know if this is an irrational, <clears throat> like n- no fear feeling, but I mean, I, when it comes to riots and things like that, I mean, I thrive in that stuff. I mean, like, and I, it was obviously born out of the stuff that I covered in Haiti. But even, I mean, it's, you know, when I covered 2016, I, I was covering the Trump campaign, and there were riots outside of his his rallies, and like, I mean, some pretty intense ones that we were like in tear gassed after that kind of stuff too. And I mean, I, I mean, I, my, you know, heart gets going when I when the idea of covering that kind of stuff. Um, so I would totally do that. You know, it's funny. Also, like, I'd always wanted to kind of cover a war um or like go out you know with troops or something like that um you know i you know just for you know personal news here i'm mm-hmm. gonna my partner and i are having a baby in april so i don't know if that like kind of thank you um yeah, so like congratulations thanks um so you know i don't know if that you know calculus changes a little bit in the idea of going out to war but i would totally go to hong kong i mean like 
I, I just like the thing is, I, I, I love covering Congress. It's like a really awesome beat to have. And if you know, you're in DC, I mean, I have an amazing amount of freedom and, and I get to talk to, you know, ask questions of some of the most important people in the country. And that's like a really amazing opportunity to have. But I mean, would I cover something else like Hong Kong or even anything else, you know, other than that? Yeah, I mean, 100 percent. Cool. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a solid answer. I, th- I don't think anybody's yeah. going to be upset about that one. I think it's, I think it's kind of a, I think it, you know, that was kind of like a thing for me when I was younger. It was like, man, I want to go be a war photographer and blah blah blah. Like I wanted to join the army and go overseas just to photograph. And then I realized, or it was kind of put to me by my uncle, who's a recruiter. He's like, dude you don't just get to like say i'm gonna go in the army and be a photographer so (laughs) you know kind of like think about that a little bit um and spoiler alert that did not happen Um, (laughs) did not do that um i mean there's definitely like a level of grittiness and i mean it's funny you know uh you know louis palu the guy that i was talking about um it i'll actually never never forget this realization because like he actually went out and covered. Um, it might have been Afghanistan, or it was Iraq or Afghanistan recently. And I was at the national um, at the National Portrait Gallery in DC, and I remember stumbling upon like the this exhibit about soldiers and like you know portraits of soldiers and things like that. And there were these just amazingly like just emotional portraits of these soldiers. They're just like looking straight into camera. This like these black and white photos. And I remember looking at them and being like, holy crap, like this is just, am- I mean, like I, I was like literally brought a tear to my eye. I was like, this is just such amazing stuff. And and just thinking like, I want to do this. Like I want to be able to like take a picture that like brings you like that emotion to you. It was just a very, very inspiring thing. Flash forward to today or, you know, last week or whatever. I've been hanging out, you know, at these hearing rooms and meeting all these photographers. I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, like, if you guys, like, geek out about, you know, talking to photographers, which we I do. mean, you guys obviously do. We do. Yeah, um, we do. I mean, like, I do, too. And, like, the thing is, is like, I, I mean, I sit in that hearing room and I hang out with some of the best photographers in the country. And, like, and they're just cool. I mean, like, you know, they, they just, I mean, they get a kick out of the fact that I'm shooting in film. Like, they think that, you know, what I'm doing is awesome. Like, they talk to me about that. They talk to me about different things. But, like, I've gotten to know, like, all these really amazing people and Louis is one of Louis Palou is one of these guys. Well, turns out these portraits that I saw at the National Portrait Gallery were taken by Louis. Oh, and wow. like and I've like realized this after I got to know him. Like realized that like this this photography that had inspired me to like want to push my photography further and like become a better photographer was actually this guy that I now text with. And like I I mean like it's just so awesome. Like you know, but I mean, going back to the original focus of this question, I mean, like there is just a grittiness and a and an emotion that comes with shooting something like a war or a riot or something like that. That is just you can't re- re- replicate it with anything else. It's just a raw. It's just a raw event. It's just a raw emotion that it. There's only the only way that you can capture something like that is actually being there and being inside of it and. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I would 1000% do that. I mean, I, and I don't think I, you know, it's funny, like you could, I guess like go 
my dad was a public affairs officer in the Navy. And so you could like go into public affairs and like kind of take pictures that way. But if I was to go into war, I think I'd want to do it as a journalist. And yeah. 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 For sure. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I got, I got a, I got a quick question for you. Um, so how many cameras do you take with you when you're on, you know, when you're out shooting, you know, the, uh, the hearings and stuff or when you're out there, um, on the hill, I guess. So it's a, <laughs> this has become like kind of a running joke with people because now I walk up to the hearings with my backpack um, mm-hmm. and they're like, how many cameras do you have today, Frank? And um, <laughs> so it's typically, um, it, it depends actually. I mean, so it depends on what I'm trying to do. Like I'm, I'm always now carrying the speed graphic when I go to the hearings. I don't carry the speed graphic everywhere because it's really unwieldy and I have to like, I have to actually take the lens off when I put it, when I close it, when I put it away, because the lens is, a, it, it's a bigger lens. It's not the one designed for the actual camera. And um, so anyway, so I carry the speed graphic with me. I have the Hasselblad. Um, and then sometimes I carry the, the M6, depending on what I'm, if I want to have the ability to shoot like quickly, like 35, like more on the fly. Yeah. Um, and then I always bring my Fuji around just because I, I want to have that ability if I want to. So I guess that's four, although I try not to do that. I mean, typically, like when I'm just, you know, bopping around the Capitol or whatever and I and I have the ability or, you know, not, like not busy doing other things, I'll just, you know, carry like my, you know, my M6 or the Hasselblad around with me and then take a picture if, if the moment arises or I actually have the opportunity to. Um, but yeah, there's that. And then, I mean, I also carry like video cameras too. So this is like, oh, that's okay. the other part of this is like, like at all these hearings, I, you know, I don't know if you guys, you know, about Osmo or like DJI. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. They make the drones. So mm-hmm. they have this camera called an Osmo that like basically is like the same gimbal technology as a drone. And I shoot video with that during the hearings. Like that kind of looks drone-ish because I put it on the end of a, of a big pole, which actually is like, I don't know. It, it's totally ridiculous, but it looks that video turned out to be really cool. Um, but yeah, so the the short answer um, is usually three, but sometimes four. Okay, <laughs> nice. It's a lot. It's a lot. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so with your Fuji, have you started like making your film sims, like trying to emulate your look that you're getting out of your actual film shots, and like trying to make it cohesive? So sometimes, um, I mean, I, I shoot with a film sim and I forget which one it is because, so again, when it comes to like the whole, you know, talking to photographers and them like kind of giving you tips and things like that, um, David Ake, who is actually in charge of AP photography, um, is a friend of mine who I met through one of my old colleagues, um, or not old colleagues, actually a current colleague, Kelly O'Donnell, um, who is a correspondent for NBC News. She's actually, her husband is David Ake and we were at a wedding and he loves to shoot um, sunrises. And he's like, hey, you should come out. And like, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, we can shoot sunrises. I was like, hell yeah, like, yes, like that would be great. And so he, cause he shoots Fuji too. And he, he switched it to a film simulation that I don't even, it's the first one. It's like the, if you're looking at the film simulation list on your Fuji, it's like the first one that pops up. But I've been shooting with Probably, that. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been shooting with that ever since. I I like the look of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but it's not. The thing is, is that I I try. 
I've, I've kind of like debated this in my head about whether or not I want all of my stuff to kind of look the same, like particularly on my Instagram. And I actually think that like, I'm totally fine with the idea of like everything kind of having its own unique look. And like, I mean, the four by five stuff looks very unique, you know? I mean, like yeah. the Hasselblad yeah. stuff has its own look. It also has like two notches on the left side. Cause like, that's just the way that the Hasselblads, you know, shoot their negatives. Like, I mean, and so I, I'm not trying to recreate a film look with digital because I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like I want, I want the film look to be the film. And so, and I sh- and I've been shooting enough film recently that I don't really need to like try to replicate it. I have it. So, um, yeah. so yeah. Do you guys try to replicate the film look with with digital? I mean, I guess technically using the film simulations kind of does that. Yeah. I mean, I, I do some tweaking where, you know, we mess with the color, you know, how much saturation to give it or how sure. much saturation to remove and that kind of stuff. Um, and I know I, we, we, we found a, uh, a film recipe. So there's recipes out there that you can find for your, for the Fujis and to kind of emulate a film stock. Yeah. So we, we were able to find, um, I think Dustin found it, um, the film recipe for the new um, classic negative that's in is it called classic negative? Yeah, it's called yeah, classic right? negative. Yeah, that's in the new X Pro three. So, oh. so we've been trying it. Um, Dustin has the XT three, mm-hmm. so he's been trying it on his. And I, I have all the previous generation, not all of them, but most I got of them, <laughs> the, most of the previous generations. Just because I'm, I'm starting this new thing, which is probably really bad, is um, just collecting some of the uh, Fuji ones that that caused um you know that caused them to get popular like the x pro 100 uh, the x pro one and then i'm now i'm starting to look at the the original x 100 because that that just you know when it came out it just caused a lot of people to be like whoa you know to look at a small package you know and that kind of stuff yeah so um I'm, i'm going down that rabbit hole but but yeah going back to the film recipes you know it, it's all about just trying to see what colors we can get out of it and stuff like that. So yeah, and then that way I I can just use the JPEGs if they're if they're good enough. If not, I just convert within the camera and then right. dump the JPEGs to iPad and and go from there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like it, I when I first got the X100, it totally converted me to like prime lenses. Like I don't shoot with a zoom lens anymore. Like I don't I, I don't even. I mean, I I haven't shot with a zoom lens in so long. It's just like it, it's totally converted me to just like you know zooming with your feet, and I love it. I, I just like love that that mentality, like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just whatever that. I just love that camera so much. It's it's just it's such a wonderful camera. They did such a good job with it. So that said, do you have a favorite focal length that you tend to gravitate towards? Is it something like the thirty-five millimeter because that's what you're used to shooting with? Yeah, I think that's usually it. Thirty-five, or I think the the um, so the Hasselblad I shoot with has a it's like a fifty, you know, um, equivalent. Okay. Um, okay. So, so you're using the eighty millimeter. Yeah. Right. So I'm shooting, shooting with the eighty. So and so which I've like learned to love that too. Um, so I'd say like thirty-five and fifty is the two that I use the most. Gotcha. Yeah. That Distagon for the Hasselblad, the 50 f4, that's a super lens too, and you can get it fairly cheap, like three to four hundred dollars. So, um, oh really? Which, which will give you a, that 35 millimeter equivalent. 
That would be wild. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good bit bigger, to you know, just it sticks out probably four inches farther than the planar does. So, jeez, uh, yeah. wow. Okay. But it, it, it it's a hefty lens, but it's a gorgeous lens as well. Uh, cool. Not not to like send you down a. a rabbit hole that's going to make you spend money but yeah right <laughs> i might just blank that out of my head right now <laughs> well this this uh, podcast is really really good about giving people gas yeah so. edward uh, <laughs> edward along with his um his, his zine machining he's also a yeah. gas gas factory he's buying yeah. something every episode dude it's it's so addictive i mean it, it is crazy though and i mean it's I think super that addicting it's it's insane i mean like mm-hmm. it and just the different kinds of film and like i mean the different the thing is is that i've kind of like forced myself i mean i I love this speed graphic that i'm shooting with which is so it's been really awesome to kind of just like settle in with it and but part of it is just like i i need to just settle in on this camera for right now and like and learn how to use it and learn how to like do that because i mean I could start just really obsessing over like that Graphlex Super D Aero Ektar one that that yeah. David yeah. has, but <laughs> I also then won't be able to send my you know upcoming daughter to college. So right. that <laughs> exactly, have to yeah, decide one or the you. other. Yeah. I yeah. just bought the poor man's Aero Ektar for four by five. It's a 178 millimeter f2.5 projector lens. Oh, so it's um, it, it's admittedly not an Aero Ektar, but it's like the, it's a, a fifty dollar wannabe. Well, so and it's cool because I mean, so that that camera that he has, um, Burnett has, it also tilts and shifts. Yeah. Um, the way that you know the um, the guy that makes him, I forget what his name, John Minnick, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but um. I mean, he really just like tricks out that camera in a very cool way, and it gives you a lot of options. Um, and, and I mean, he's also because they they modify it on top so that you're able to to focus through the ground glass because it it has like that you know the reflector. Mm-hmm. Um, it it gives you it gives him the ability to to use that tilt and shift and focus focus like as he's going, and then just flip the 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 um, mirror down and take the picture. Like if I so my my speed graphic tilts a little bit, but the only way that I can I can um, focus that is through the ground glass, ground glass on the black on the back. So when I put the the um, film holder in there, I lose the ability to focus any like and even frame up. And so whenever I'm tilt trying to use like my or trying to tilt my lens, I'm basically going blind for like the the back half of the whole process, which. Yeah. It's just not a viable way of doing it. So I, that every time I do that, it's totally rolling the dice, um, and it's worked out sometimes, and it's just been infuriatingly frustrating in other times. So yeah, you already have such a shallow depth of field with that lens that the the t- the amount that you're gonna get from shifting your plane of focus is just gonna make it so hard already, especially without having a tripod. Totally, totally, totally. So yeah, but. It's been really cool. It's been it's been a fun, fun, fun experience. Yeah. So one last one last thing. Just a, uh, have you checked out Cinestill? Uh, any of their film stocks? Because it seems like their uh, 800T might be something you would be interested in. Uh, it, it happens to run out of stock a lot, so I don't know if like recommending this is good because you might not be able to find it. But it's a tungsten balanced color film that's uh, rated at 800 ISO. Yeah, so I've heard about it, and I've heard 
a lot of people talk about it like on you know either podcasts or just you know on whatever websites and things like that and mm-hmm. and I, I haven't been able to find it and so um, I w- definitely want to try it because as you know you're saying it's tungsten so that would be super helpful because I mean there's like one studio on Capitol Hill that shoots day- or that not shoots um, that lights the whole room with daylight and everything else is tungsten so I mean, I actually prefer shooting black and white, so that's not usually an issue because I, I, I only shoot color. Just I've actually just started shooting color just to kind of see what it looks like. It, it's just more that's more of an experiment than it is, you know, like a practical. I, I, I just like the idea of black and white, and I like that look. Um, but I've definitely wanted to do this, and so I just haven't been able to find anywhere to buy it. And I, I don't particularly feel passionate about it enough at this moment, like about you know, trying to buy off like the, you know, eBay or something like that and paying a ridiculous amount of money per roll. You know, we know somebody who works there. We might be able to get you um, a connection for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. I would do that for sure. sure, I'm sure Sinistil would love to have um, some, like a collaboration with you for something on Capitol Hill. I don't want to speak for them, so I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn and like, and and obligate them to something, but um you know, at least get, let you know when it's coming back in stock or something like that, so you can give it a shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, it looks—I yeah. don't love it on 35 millimeter, but I think the 800T on medium format looks really great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's what I've been shooting most of the stuff with is is the Hasselblad. So I've been shooting mostly medium format. The 35 stuff is usually—it's I usually shoot that as a black and white. So yeah, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> Well, it's um, a little after nine, so um, you were yes. gracious enough to give us some of your time, and we don't want to take any more of it since you are a busy man. Um, so we just want to say thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Um, yeah. Where can where where should people go to check out your work if they want to? So it's mostly just Instagram. Um, Frank Thorpe V is uh, in. It's T H O R P, no E. So Frank, T H O R P V, um, is where most of my work is. And then um, I, I, you guys, you know, perused around my Flickr. I haven't used that in so long. So um, I guess I probably could start using that. But uh, um, most of my work is on Instagram. Right on. So speaking of Instagram, we mentioned earlier that we do highlights. Do you have a highlight that you would like to? Um, put out there and let people know who you think is a rad account and to go check out yeah so um, we were talking about the Hong Kong um, riots and uh, somebody who's covered both the Hong Kong riots and Capitol Hill and DC is David Buto I don't know if you guys follow him Um, he is he shoots predominantly with Leicas and um, used to shoot film now shoots I think I think all digital Um, but his stuff just has like this really awesome quality to it. It has like this, I I don't know, the feeling, it has a feeling, he has a feeling to his photos. He's one of those photographers that you see a picture and you're like, oh, that looks like a David Butoh photo. Um, he also took one of my favorite photos of, um, from Capitol Hill last year during the Kavanaugh hearings. There was this moment where Jeff Flake... I don't know, made an objection. He forced a FBI investigation. This was a whole thing. But there was this, this very poignant moment at the end of that hearing where all these Republican senators surrounded around him 
and David got this shot of it, which just looked like it was just so dramatic, and it just like kind of totally captured like this moment. And it's like one of those pictures that stuck with me forever. Anyway, he's an amazing guy. He's like super, super, super great guy, um, and he just takes amazing pictures. So it's David Buto. It's da- uh, David, and then Buto B U T O W. Um, but he's a great follow on Instagram, so I definitely sure. recommend. Nice. Yeah, I definitely nice. looked him. I, I dig it. I, some of his stuff is a little difficult to read on mobile because of the way he orients it. But once you flip it to the side, like it's got a really, really distinct look, just like you were saying. It's really cool. Yeah. He, so it's interesting. He, like it. He gets. He, he shoots or he um, posts all of his horizontal pictures vertically, um, which. You know, it gives it a little bit more real estate because I mean, when you sh- you know when you post your your vertical or your horizontal pictures horizontally on Instagram, you kind of like lose a little bit of the you know the depth of it. I think sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so, but I actually appreciate that he does that because I know it's it's kind of funky having to turn your phone to to look at pictures, but I mean, like the pictures, it feels like you need a little bit more real estate to actually appreciate them and i'm actually glad that he does that so it's, it's kind of awesome um, it looks like a contact sheet yeah t- totally it, it, i'm telling you man i don't know what it is like it, it his stuff just like i said it just has like this this look to it that it just yeah i mean i the thing is is that i mean in reality it, it I, I could give you like a hundred different recommendations i i mean there are so many great photographers on the hill and that just they're just i mean inspiring people i mean like people that i mean i draw inspiration from every day and they're just such such awesome people and so but i mean his his account is definitely worth following yeah for sure we'll give it a shot and i mean i i'm i'm loving it already this is this kind of my thing lately is what is looking over like all of these photojournalists It, it i don't know what it is about it lately i guess it's just um a sign of the times and like everything that's going on and uh, you know, we have acquaintances that, that, you know, through other podcasts that actually live in Hong Kong and are going through the stuff. And I guess that's kind of what sparked me looking at it daily. But I've just been really enjoying the whole photojournalism style lately. It's been a really nice change of what I yeah. was into. And it, what's cool about Instagram, particularly some of the younger photographers are using Instagram to post some of their more artistic or like different looking shots shots that yeah. might not necessarily get filed or you know run in in you know the new york times or the washington post or you know on a regular article online like some stuff that where they kind of like think a little bit outside the box um yeah. and and so like i mean in, in those instances like i mean it, it's really really cool to be able to like get a little bit of an insight into the eye of some of these guys because you know i mean we all see the pictures that are on the on you know on TV or on you know, I mean, or in the newspapers and things like that. But this is also stuff like oh man, I'm gonna point you to this. Brendan Smielowski, like, and I'm, can I just give you another recommendation? Yeah, yeah, go. Um, yeah do it. So um, he posted this picture. What was this uh, last week of Trump outside under an, an umbrella, President Trump under umbrella, and it's just like this crazy, like. It just doesn't even look like a real picture, but it's just this picture, and it just the bottom of his face is lit up, and it it looks like geometrical the way that the the um, umbrella is sitting like over his head. His name is Brent Brendan B R E N D A N Smile Smilowski. So S M I A L O W 
SKI. I might be botching his name. He's also a really great guy too. Um, but his stuff also has like a mood to it. He has, he, he posts mostly black and white stuff. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I mean, the thing is, is that like, you know, photojournalism can have like a little bit of a generic, particularly on Capitol Hill, generic, um, look to it. You know, a lot of these guys will shoot. I mean, or not a lot of these guys, but you know, some shots can look very, you know, generic in terms of like the head on nature of it or like you, there's only you know so many ways you can shoot a press conference right. um but you know some of these guys really are able to you know think outside the box and the, like those are the ones that are just totally worth you know uh, like i said i mean drawing inspiration off of yeah these are so cool it's like his head disappears into that umbrella i, I know it's so cool it is so cool yeah so awesome so anyway <laughs> well um i think that's that's gonna do it with you for tonight i know you've got some stuff to get a, to get into and you're a busy man and we appreciate the the time that you've given yeah. us you went a little over what you said you had allotted and uh, we definitely appreciate that it's been so much fun if you ever want to chat again with us just give us a shout we'll we'll make time for you if you have something that comes up or you do something with that body of work you turn it into a book and you want to let people know about it let us know and we'll you know always have a spot for you here awesome man this has been a lot of fun seriously i mean i love talking about this stuff and it's just like i said it's been like this whole new you know amazing world of like new creative possibilities and, and just like chatting with people even just getting ideas like i mean just even about developers and stuff like that it's just been I mean, yeah. it's been really cool. So I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me. Right on. So, Ed, do you want to just uh, end it here and call it? Do you have a um, highlight you want to shout real quick? Yeah, yeah. I got a highlight. Hold on. I'm gonna tell my phone that I'm not driving. <laughs> well, I have okay. one. I'll go ahead while you're looking for it if you no, need no, to. No, no. I found it. Okay. I found it. It's a uh, right index finger. Um, <laughs> this guy just goes around town and just shoots all kind of all kinds of weird shit which i like all the <laughs> mundane crap that is around everywhere uh, i think he's down in san diego so he's near me i'm in los angeles so uh, but yeah right index finger i might have met him at the padilla uh the film padilla that we had in march with the dark room okay um but maybe i did i don't know but uh <laughs> but yeah i like his stuff man you know it's kind of the stuff that i you know i kind of shoot myself you know, just the just the random. Um, yeah. Cool. Right index finger. Uh, yeah, I dig it. It's super colorful. Yeah. 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 yeah so, I, my my highlight is someone that uh, that fits the whole young artistic uh, vibe that you were chatting about. His name is um, Ruben Almanacid. It's R U B E N A L M O N A C I D. Uh, and it's just like some really cool colorful portraits um, like playing with different color lights and things like that he does some black and white too like some concert photography and uh, a bunch of really cool stuff just a really cool page to follow I've been following him for about a week and a half now I think uh, I don't know exactly where I found him but I've been enjoying his work he's out of Spain so I definitely have not met him <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Maybe you guys will like it too. 
that's that um and i guess that does it for our show tonight um if you guys want to get in touch with us you can reach us on our email which is grainydays at gmail.com you can always get in touch with us on our instagram which we're fairly quick to get back to you on which is grainy underscore days underscore podcast uh, and then you can find me at for the love of grain and edward at edward conde underscore there you go all right and again you can find frank at frank thorpe v on instagram and frank again thank you so much for coming on this has been a blast yeah thank you frank appreciate you it. back guys it's been a pleasure yeah man all right well i guess that does it for the show and we'll talk to you guys next time bye later bye Special thanks to Mr. Mike Gutterman for allowing us to use this fantastic music before and after the show.